Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're chatting to Kaylee Mycroft, who is an ability activist based in Cape Town in South Africa. We chat about a number of different topics related to accessible travel and primarily Kaylee's trip up Mount Kilimanjaro, which is the highest mountain peak on the African continent. Let's dive straight into that interview. Today on A Different Way of Traveling, we're chatting to Kaylee Mycroft, who's one of our shining stars in South Africa in terms of showing people what we can achieve despite our disabilities. Kaylee's done a huge amount of work in the advocacy and activism world. And in fact, she calls herself an ability activist, which I absolutely love. Kaylee, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing some of your stories with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Well, we're really excited to have you with us as well. And it's going to be great to share some of your insights and your stories with our listeners. For the possibly one or two people who don't know you, can you just introduce us yourself to our listeners and just share a little bit of your story with us? Yeah, so hi. Um, I'm Kelly Mycroft. I'm 25 now. Um, I was born with cerebral palsy, and so I've always lived my life as a, as a differently able person. Um, but I've never been allowed to have that dictate um, whether I do something or don't do something. Um, it's never been allowed to be um, something that limits my activities. Um, and it's never been allowed to be excused. And so that's how I go into my life, is just that my disability is a part of what I do, but it doesn't have the biggest voice in the room. Um, I, oh, things about me. Okay. Um, I am currently doing my PhD at the University of Cape Town. Really like being active and doing fitness things like CrossFit and running and, um, cycling. And my friend have convinced me to do, um, triathlons now. So I'm going to 
you know, is I'm terrified. Um, but I think I obviously I'm an activist. Um, I think as a disabled person, you have to kind of um, you have to be an advocate and an activist if you want to get your rights. So um, it's just been ingrained into me my rights that I have a voice and that I should be using it to get awareness and to help not only myself but other people to gain access to experiences and the rights that we, that we have as human beings. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's. I think it's it's you're so you're so right because it's so many people with disabilities or who are differently abled feel that we don't have a voice, and being able to influence people, particularly young people to know that they still have the ability to be heard and to demand the rights that should be ours is such an important role. So thank you for doing the work yeah. that you do. Okay, so this is a travel oh. podcast. But so let's yes. get into the, the concept of travel. Where have you traveled to in yeah. some of the work that you've done? Um so I've been asked to do a, a few, um, a fair amount of, of speaking at different conferences and they happen all over the world and people uh, pay for me to get to those places. Um, so I've been very lucky in that I've had the opportunity to to different views. I've been to um, different places in Europe, like Amsterdam and um, fonts, um, <laughs> looking at this now, it's like, ah, um, I've been to Costa that was amazing. I love Costa Rica, um, uh, Barcelona, everywhere over the place. I'd, I'd really like to see more of Africa. Um, I want to go find places to home. That would be really cool. Um, but I'm a very keen for this. I don't think that disability should limit where, like, what I see in the world because it's there to be, there to be discovered. Absolutely. I so agree with you. Now, I happen to know that you have a service dog. Do you take your dog with you on your travels do. or does she get to stay here in South Africa? So um, I'm allowed to take her. I don't take everywhere. I do more of the um, domestic trips with her. So when we go up to Joburg or to Durban, um, she'll come with me. Um, but when we do the big international trips, she she stays home. Um, she gets the, the, she gets time off. Um, but she's amazing on a plane. She like she knows exactly when she needs to show off her 
dogs and her manners. I hate like the best dog you ever seen. I I um, think they all do. Yeah. 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 I think we all have stories of our guide and service dogs performing like beautiful children when they're in public and being absolute horrors sometimes when they're back at home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you've also done a fair amount of traveling in your advocacy work. Yeah. So can you tell us some of the experiences that you've had as a result of that activism and the work that you've done raising awareness? And places you've been and yeah. some of the things that you've done. Yeah. So I met some incredible people. Um, I have been able to speak at different conferences, been able to connect with um, different um, groups of young people. Um, I think the biggest thing in um, in my like work, I guess, is that I really love connecting with people and just having conversations and being able to share some experiences that we've that we've had because I feel like that's the best way to create knowledge for other people and sharing the knowledge that we gained through living with these um these things. Um, and you know, as an activist, I've, I've been, I've been, I've received um, like awards from like the Children's Peace Prize and the Nobel uh, Peace Laureate Medal for Activism. But the thing that for me is that what the awards do is not, it's not about elevating me or my name. It's about elevating the work and the message that we that we that we're trying to spread. And um with that I think that's the most important thing. But I also approach every every experience I have is an advocacy moment and an opportunity to educate people. And traveling is just has um, just as much an opportunity to educate people and to learn about how much they actually know um, when you are put in that position. That's so, so true. Every yeah. Day. Every day. Yeah. Some of the, the, the things that you've done, some of the experiences you've had, are things that people will look at and go, that's remarkable. Things like yeah. climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest peak in Africa, yeah. running the Comrades yeah. Marathon, the Two Oceans yeah. Ultra Marathon. Talk to us about some of those. Um, so Kilimanjaro was a great idea that happened at a fly that we we. We just kind of were chatting over a couple of drinks and thinking, like, oh, you know what would be cool to do? Like, let's go climb Kilimanjaro. <laughs> just just go climb Kilimanjaro. <laughs> um, 
And you know, it was it, it took us four years to actually get to the point from having that conversation at a bar to actually being on the mountain and having that experience. So you know, it doesn't necessarily always happen like at the click of a finger. It's just like we we had to wait for the right time for that to happen, and um. It is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life. Um, <laughs> I I was very excited to go, and I was, I'm still so excited that I did that and that I got to do that with the people that did it with me. Um, I learned so many things on that mountain. I um, I I grew as a person. Um, Cried a lot, like slow weight. <laughs> you know, it was it was an incredible experience, and I think my being a wheelchair user doesn't necessarily make it more of an of a life changing experience for me because this is the the life that I exist in every day. Um, it it was. I think if I was would have been able bodied, I still would have seen it as a life changing experience. Um, I think our lessons that we learned were just a little bit different. <laughs> we learned without a little bit. Um, and I got to take those into, um other experiences that that I have had. So, you know, running with comrades is also a very mental um activity. <laughs> you you have to be strong in your mind to do that. And um and it's challenging and you cry a lot and you know these things just well, I think I'm I'm a crier and that's just I'm an emotional person and I'm excited and like you can people can just get on board. Like um but I think I'm so grateful that I have had these opportunities and these experiences, but they also come from like a willingness of putting yourself into a space where not necessarily expected to be or like the world doesn't really want you to be in those spaces because they were designed for people with disabilities and I'm okay with that I'm okay with being in spaces where I'm not necessarily wanted or expected I'm not certain that it's really so much about the question of being wanted, but just not considered or yeah. not, ex- as you said, not expected. I don't think that anyone yeah, no, in the world to deliberately keep us out, but just often the, the way of design hasn't taken us into consideration. Yeah. And, you know, we, we also sometimes have to fight to be, um, to be, brought into spaces 
Your comrades, we had to actually fight to get in because uh, they didn't want us to participate because it was against the rules to use a wheelchair or any mechanical device. Um, so we had to go in there like strong and tell them that you're not actually allowed to say things like that. Just for our listeners who don't know about the Comrades, yeah. it's an annual race yeah. that takes place between the cities of Durban and Peter Maritzburg in the province of KwaZulu-Natal. And it's, what, 90 kilometers? Yeah, I think the last one was 91, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, by the time you get there, you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 89 to 91 kilometers, like average. Um, I, I want to kind of look at a little more of the detail. So let's start with the comrades since we're on the topic. Yeah. How mm-hmm. do you run the comrades in your wheelchair? Yeah. What happens? <laughs> So I do not um, have the ability to um, propel my own wheelchair. Um, So I am what is termed an assisted wheelchair athlete. So essentially my partners will push me um, in my chair throughout the the race. but, you know, it's actually, people see that and they're like, ah, she's having such a good time and, like, just chilling. But, like, that's really not what's happening in my body <laughs> at all. Um, I I think what, when we start something like the Comrades or Two Ocean, we, there's always this idea that in the comments that we get, you can see where the advocacy needs to happen. Um, and it happens throughout the race. So when we start, everybody is speaking to my partners and saying, uh, good luck. And they look at me and they say things like, enjoy and have a good day. So it's it's a different kind of, attitude that they have towards me as an athlete um, in the beginning. And then we get to like 45 kilometers in or like 60 k's in and people are looking at me like, oh my word, this girl is still here (laughs) and she's still like awake and doing things. So, you know, and then I, I... it just takes maybe 65 k's to get the respect at the same level as my partners. Um, but, you know, it happens. We, we get there. And I think there's this idea that my body's not doing anything. Um, but this is very wrong <laughs> uh, because I have to stay balanced in my chair. I have to brace against downhills and like turning and moving and navigating a wheelchair um 
is difficult when there are like thousands of people mm-hmm. around and so I have to be aware so that I can tell my partners when we're getting too close to people's ankles and um, you know there, there's so many aspects to to being an adaptive athlete that people don't understand and they don't because they don't see it and you can't see the work that my body is doing but I do marathons and then I pass out for like a day so you know if if I wasn't working and my body wasn't doing anything then I would be able to do five comrades in a day and be fine and I'm really not (laughs) um so, you know, it's just about making those connections for people and finding ways of people coming on board. And we, we've done, we've seen it happen. So when we started doing the Comrades um, in 2016, I think, people were very confused. They were like, why are you here? How is there a wheelchair in this race? don't understand and now we have this attitude of like we're so happy that we get to share the road with you and that you can be a part of my experience of comrades and so it's really a lesson in advocacy as well in that we can make people understand it sometimes just takes a while and you have to keep going back to things yeah. so that people recognize that that's a standard and not just like a like a one-time thing that you did sometimes, you know, yeah. it's to not get just... it into the norm. Yeah. I... Yeah. So what you've explained about the, the kind of wear and tear on your body, on your mental fatigue, because you have to be yeah. constantly vigilant of what's happening around you. Those must yeah. very much have been skills and techniques that came into play when you were climbing Kilimanjaro. Take us through the, that, a little bit of that journey of what actually happened. Yeah. Did you actually summit? Yeah. I know a lot of people don't. I know we did. <laughs> um, oh, well done. Yeah. Thank you. We had a team of, of nine um, with with the with the cover band and um, seven seven of us summited, which is a really amazing thing to have happened with with having that number of people in our team. Um, so that that journey was just remarkable. We even just getting to Kilimanjaro was a feat in itself. And I think I think one thing about traveling with a disability is and just living with a disability, I guess, is like we have a lot of logistics and as disabled people, like we're used to logistics. So that's fine. We kind of process it as another part of our day. But I think I <laughs> I was traveling to Kitty with 
um, like nobody that had traveled with me before. Oh, wow. I was traveling with only, um, only men, which was fine. Like, like it was fine. It created some interesting um, conversations. And um, people who had not experienced like really able to travel before, and I had um told them I was like, guys, something is going to go wrong on this trip. So just get ready. Like it's gonna happen. And they thought that they, that I was being dramatic and like, oh it'll be fine, Katie. And um <laughs> we went from Cape Town to Joburg, Joburg to Nairobi, Nairobi to Kilimanjaro Airport. And um, we got to Joburg and had a two-hour delay. Um, so we left at like one in the morning or something. Ooh. And that was relatively like drama-less. And then we arrived in Nairobi and we had like a four-hour layover or something. And so <laughs> they get me out the plane and uh, the the passenger assist people get me out the plane and put me in this wheelchair. It's not mine. Um, and I was convinced that it was made in like 1812 or something. <laughs> uh, I wasn't convinced that it was going to hold my, mm. my body weight. Which at that point was like really a suitcase. And um, we, what my teammates decided was not a great thing to tell me at that point was that my actual wheelchair had um, um, over the conveyor belt out of the plane and fell off the conveyor belt. And the wheel, the rubber around the wheel had uh, removed itself, and they were drastically <laughs> trying to put everything back together so that they could get the chair to me. Um, I think it was a good call that nobody told me that. <laughs> um, because ultimately, the wheelchair still worked, and like it was fine. <laughs> Um, I ended up, um, it was just a very drama-filled trip. I did get my wheelchair, um, but funny things happened, like, when we got to customs, um, in Tanzania, the, the man who you give your password to, he asked me to please stand up for the, for the, um, the biometric recognition or something and I was like I can't do that and he didn't understand and he was like well why (laughs) and at that point I just I was like I'm not dealing with this (laughs) somebody else has to deal because I I don't want to anymore and it was funny because I was sitting in my electric wheelchair like sitting in it and then I had my 
mountain climbing chair like across the way from me so there was clear evidence that I'm not I'm not a walking human um but you know that's also the level of of um work that we still have to do um and that's everywhere and I think it's just it's funny to think about how how people see other people and how that seems completely normal to ask me that for him. And um, I have experiences like that all the time. We'll be continuing Kaylee's exciting adventure up Mount Kilimanjaro in the next episode of the podcast. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on the rest of the story. Today's travel quote is from Hans Christian Andersen, who did a fair amount of travel writing, as well as his very much beloved children's folk tales. Hans Christian Andersen said, to travel is to live. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode of A Different Way of Traveling, and we look forward to seeing you next time. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at AccessibleSA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Crate Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motif by Lord Stratton. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.